The Road Less Traveled, a Tin Man Fic, written by Andrea Lynn, read by Dr. Fumbles McStupid. Summary. D.G. doesn't understand how it's come to be like this. She loves the idea of her sister, but as Cadelia herself is a different story. And as for Kane, well, she empathizes with him more than anything, seeing as they're in the same rocky boat. The Ozzy is safe and pristine from afar, can become uncannily unfamiliar when you tilt your head to the slightest of new angles. Gigi found herself perilously in that position upon her return. Safe things were dangerous, and those dark places your parents, robot parents in her case, told you to stay out of could sometimes be a safe house or the answer to your prayers. Gigi puzzled this more than other things, and her thoughts were occupied with one subject in particular, as Cadelia. Once unlocked, her memory seemed to start flooding back to her in technicolor. Smells she couldn't name, colors she didn't know existed. Memories also spanned the scope of touch, and it was her sister who held her hand and hugged her close, whose long fingers stroked her hair. It was her sister that she remembered most. With the witch gone, one would think the danger was through, that you could go out in the dark, say the witch's name three times and nothing would happen. Safe as houses. Just not for D.G. As Cadelia only communed with a select number of people, and she spent the most time with D.G., which made seemingly safe ground start to churn and present its many dangers. It wasn't so safe, not really. She loved As Cadelia, more than some other sisters loved each other, because she had too many years to catch up on. She loved As. But the problem was... Well, the problem was that she loved the idea of her sister, as Cadelia herself, the beautiful and haunted woman, she was a different story. D.G. liked As Cadelia. The problem came into the picture when you considered the inklings of shivers D.G. got when she thought of As Cadelia as a woman, and not just her sister. Goosebumps over her arms, and thoughts that made her bite her lip, and think she'd had too much sun to be thinking the way she was. Now that she thought of As Cadelia's hand in her hair, the reaction was not that of fondness, but an itch. A fiery spark of something D.G. was too scared to name. It was dangerous. She knew that much. Don't wander the streets of the old road after dark, Kane had warned her. Don't touch an unsuspecting and unprepared viewer, said Ra. Stay out of deep caves, her parents fearfully warned, as the Ozi had two witches by myth, just as it always tended to have two princesses. Never back yourself into a corner without a way out in an apple, was Glitch's favorite saying. No one said anything about how she had to beware the dangerous cloud of feeling one might have in the miasma that was Asgadelia. Somehow, that had slipped everyone's minds, and there D.G. was, trapped in the path of something that was potentially as dangerous as dark magic rooted deep in her. The only thing Asgadelia ever warned D.G. of was, don't let go, don't run. Asgadelia had her hooked, though. D.G. couldn't have run if she tried, not even if she wanted to and she so very badly enjoyed the snare of this trap. Glitch wandered through the reckless mess of portraits and paintings as if he were basking amidst the glorious smell of roses. Every so often, Gigi would hear a delicate, oh, of pleasure from him, and whether it was for her art or for her subject, Gigi felt an unmistakable swell of pride and possession. I wish I could fill up a room with someone I love. Glitch spoke hesitantly, fingers brushing the blushing cheeks of Asgadelia, and a portrait that D.G. had drawn when the local scholars came to entertain them with pretty philosophy and prettier words. Glitch gave another sad, hmm, 
and his hands went from the portrait to trace his zipper, tooth by tooth. It was hard for D.G. to reply, only because she couldn't place a finger on what Glitch needed reassurance about. The lack of love? The mangling of a once-great specimen of education in the O.Z.? Or was he somehow envious of D.G.'s increased attentions on Asgadelia? What do you mean? D.G. asked, finally pulling her attention away from a half-finished sketch of Asgadelia. Sometimes it was too easy to lose yourself in pictures of her, as though some haunted piece of her spirit went into each work of art, and made it feel like it was a very strange, very true ghost story. It's hard being in love with someone who can't show anything back, Glitch said wistfully, having stopped in front of a watercolor of Asgadelia, sunning herself under a tree. Can I have this? I think it'd brighten up my room. It desperately needs it. Deejee's acquiescence was soft and distant, her mind occupied with Glitch's words, trying to convince herself that he couldn't possibly mean that he was in love with someone that was taken. Couldn't be. It couldn't be. She insisted that over and over, until at last she momentarily believed it, and could turn her attention elsewhere again, past the haunting and rhythmic insistences in her mind. All she had seen in her mind's eye was a carousel of mocking reliefs, a scene of secret courtships that her imagination had concocted. She struggled through it, and nodded that he could have the painting, only faintly aware of her agreement to his question of whether she would paint another subject for him. He was gone before the traitorous thoughts washed away, and he had taken the painting with him, leaving Deejee with one less emblem of Ascadelia surrounding her, adding to the dense fog of her unspoken desires. She would finish her replacement by next week, but until then the fog had developed something of a pin price, a way in which to see out to the clear fields beyond, where everything was safe and there were no secrets. Deejee brought up Glitch's strange words during a walk through the Solace Gardens, at Ascadelia's request. They were a supposedly mythical place, where the natural acoustics quieted all footsteps. Does this mean Glitch was with Mom? Is? Oh my god, what if he still is? A hundred unbidden and immoral images quickly flooded Deejee's mind, despite her desperate efforts to stop them. I wouldn't worry, Ascadelia assured, her voice as soothing as her palm in Deejee's hand an old childhood habit they had reverted back to. It's mom! How do I not worry? Here, let me show you something. Deejee was hard-pressed to think past the safe warmth of Ascadelia's palm, but let herself be led to a thicket of old trees, whose trunks spanned at least seven feet across, at the smallest. Ascadelia walked forward with no fear, dress hanging to the ground and making it appear as though she were gliding. Eventually they stopped, and with her pinky, with a pink-painted fingernail, she pointed to a wide tree that was hollow inside, but not empty. They come here, as Cadelia explained, and I wasn't supposed to know, but I watched once, and I can't help watching ever since. Deejee could see Glitch well enough, but his companion was lost within shadows. All Deejee could see was the crush of green fabric in Glitch's hands. Who is it? Deejee whispered, and was met by a fingertip to as Cadelia's naturally rosy lips, telling her to wait, to pause, to let it play out. One night, Glitch was begging fervently between kisses, and the acoustics of the garden made it seem like his words were amplified. One night, it sounded like he would keep repeating those words until he got his way. Please, Glitch exhaled, leaning open-mouthed into a kiss. No one will think less of you for it. One dinner out, even just as friends, he insisted, and through a minute change in a position, D.G. caught a sliver of blue, that ice of Kane's eyes that she knew so well. In an instant, D.G. felt flooded with empathy for Kane, and wanted to burst out and tell him that she knew exactly how he felt. 
How were you supposed to even begin to process newfangled feelings you didn't know could even exist? It was terrifying, and worse to navigate alone when you felt as though all you were was wrong. Glitch loved someone who couldn't show anything back. D.G. had never stopped to think that he might have meant that literally. Their actions were intimate, and their beliefs secrecy, and D.G. memorized the way Kane's hand brushed Glitch's hip, as she immediately replaced their players in her mind, Glitch and Kane for Ascadelia and herself, and she wondered how Glitch could miss the fact that Kane did show something back. He just didn't know how to do it normally. God, did she ever empathize. There were nights yet, in which she would lay awake, unsure how Ascadelia interpreted D.G.'s words and actions towards her, wondered if she would ever understand. It's a shame, Ascadelia murmured. Glitch deserves more than a hidden affair. Something painful struck D.G. at that, and she felt like she couldn't breathe for all the hope that had been stolen from her in that too short amount of time. How could she argue either, to insist that Glitch couldn't do better, that sometimes things just couldn't be perfect in public. But that didn't mean they weren't loved any less or wanted with anything but the relentless onslaught of desire. That would lift the topic into the spotlight of Ascadelia's possible scorn. He keeps going back, D.G. pointed out, her own voice sounding strangled and strange. They look happy. They do. Still, something in secret seems like settling. D.G. mustered the most convincing smile she had, and it felt weak. False. It felt horrible, and worse than that, it felt somehow like she was lying to the person she loved the most. She just wished, later, that she had stopped to consider that D.G. wasn't the only one lying that day. As Cadelia had taken D.G. to the highest turrets of the Witch's Tower, it's the only place around where you don't have to look at it. The high winds brushing her thoroughly long hair, back over the shoulders of her light chiffon, lilac-colored dress. The view of Central was hard to beat, and their hands brushed, then touched, and then clasped for each other, as the sun set into the once sparkling spires of the city in the distance. Their hips touched, and Deejee found her gaze craned to the side, to study the swan-like elegance of Ascadelia's neck. The lighter colors Ascadelia now wore made her seem almost mythological. Her hair was loose, and in endless waves down her back, which lent to the appearance. Deejee stared at Ascadelia until the last oranges and purples and pinks faded away into the deep blue of twilight, at which point she held firmly onto Asgadelia's hand, knowing that if nothing else, that one thing would protect her. I never knew my way out of here, Deji admitted, some echo of fear in her voice at the thought of wandering around inside the tower, lost without a single ounce of safety. There were too many ghosts haunting the halls, and the idea of being stuck amidst them sent a chill down Deji's back. At least, she attributed the chills going through her as fear, and not as a reaction to the way Ascadelia brushed her thumb over Deejee's wrist, ignored the way it made Deejee's breath catch in her throat. Ascadelia led the way down the dark halls, and Deejee refused to let go, not knowing whether it was for her own peace of mind, or whether Ascadelia needed the support and strength to get her through the shadows and back to the light. Their exit stopped, though, when echoed murmurings came into their ears as they stopped to locate the sound. Is that? Glitch! D.G. exhaled worriedly, tugging on Ascadelia's hand. Come on! D.G.! She nearly wailed in panicky complaint. D.G., no! No more trouble! D.G. nearly stopped, nearly fell down on her knees, fell to her sister's whims. Her sister! Her sister! Not just a woman. She was her sister, and why wouldn't that settle in D.G.'s brain? Banish out the thoughts that didn't belong. 
But then, before DG could stop and apologize and tell her that it was okay, they could leave. The next words out of Ascadelia's mouth were resigned. Just don't let go. Never, DG promised, knowing that it was more than a promise of protection. She never wanted to release the feel of Ascadelia's hands on hers, not now that she knew what it was like. It took them fifteen minutes to discover Glitch, and he was pacing back and forth in a corner, one hand tugging at hair. Small tufts of it fell to the floor in a seemingly mad descent, spiraling like Glitch had once spiraled from respected advisor into the picture of the perfect head case. Glitch? D.G. exhaled with genuine worry. Her fingers slowly began to slide and slip from Ascadelia's palm. But they didn't. Ascadelia tightened her grip at the last moment, tugging D.G. back like a recoil of a whip, and D.G. was left to stare at Glitch, a single ray of the moons, from somewhere, though no one knew where they shone in from, reflected on one side of his face. Glitch seemed so distraught, so at his wit's end, and D.G. could feel herself wanting to make it all better. Glitch swallowed with some difficulty and glanced up at them. In the thick shadows of the hall, it looked almost like his eyes were puffy and red, but that was impossible. Wasn't it? Oh, hey guys. Glitch wearily greeted with a clumsy little wave of his hand. How'd I? Where am? Oh. He laughed anxiously, blurting out the laughter like it was a nervous reaction. Huh. I really got turned around out here. Guess that's... Um... He smiled again, the whole thing looking insincere to D.G. Ascadelia wasn't letting go, and Glitch wasn't taking a step forward. She was trapped in the in-betweens. I guess I'll just go follow him. D.G. never did ask who he intended to follow, but he left in a rush, too quickly for D.G. to ask any more questions and to demand if he'd been crying or whether it was just a trick of the light in a place full of dark magics and darker mischiefs. Spring days in the Ozi had become something of a dream to D.G. She was sure that she was awake, that her heart beat in normal time as she wandered the lush fields and spent time amidst the cooing birds and the brilliant flowers, but it still felt like a waking dream. D.G., as Cadelia's voice interrupted her and brought her back to earth, or, well, the Ozi, she supposed. Suddenly, the sound around her seemed hushed in the face of Ascadelia's voice, and D.G. was pried from one world of beauty to another, gazing at her sister. Her sister, why didn't that label ever stick? As she fidgeted with the thin strap of her pink tank top, the layers of her pale purple skirt rustling with the breeze. They were in the gardens of the palace, and Deejee had a large sketch pad laying on her lap, a charcoal pencil in hand, and beneath her lay a half-begun portrait of Ascadelia. She couldn't do the older woman justice, but she tried, and that had to be enough. Deejee, Ascadelia spoke again, and this time it caught Deejee's attention. Hmm? Deejee snapped out of her revere, bringing herself back to a reality that was genuinely still too dreamlike. It fooled her once, twice, three times, and it was a shame on her every time. Ascadelia shifted where she was sitting, her skirt sounding in a soft rustle, and her hair falling over her shoulders as she turned from her repose to stare straight at Deejee with those unforgiving, penetrating eyes. Deejee felt like Ascadelia could see through all sorts of worlds and galaxies with those eyes, and sometimes they were hard, and sometimes they were so vulnerable that they might break at any second. Deejee, Ascadelia murmured one last time, and Deejee genuinely felt a chill run down her back, like something deep somewhere inside of her had just been summoned. What does it feel like to be kissed? The sound of the charcoal pencil falling to the sketch 
Might as well have been deafening for what it sounded like in Deejee's ears. She swallowed something thick in her throat and stared at Ascadelia like she had just announced that she wanted to pick up and become a stripper on Earth. You mean, like, the witch erased your memories of your first kiss? Deejee clarified warily. How could she do that? Ascadelia asked, and she sounded so lovely and young and sweet that Deejee felt suddenly like she was going to tarnish that by explaining any of this realistically. I've never had a kiss to be able to remember. Deejee thought that was impossible. Ascadelia was the most beautiful thing she had seen in the whole OZ, more beautiful than the pale pink blossoms and strange and exotic trees, and more incredible than the central city glistening in the pale sunlight of the dawn. Most of the time, she didn't even seem to understand that. Deejee set the drawing aside and crawled to her feet to sit with Ascadelia and cup her cheek, fingers brushing the most sensitive and gentle of skin as she leaned in so very hesitantly. Deejee, Ascadelia murmured, voice low and husky, and yet nothing like it had been when there was a witch controlling her. What are you doing? I think it's long past time you got your first kiss, Deejee said with a playful little grin. Maybe it was just that she had a reason and an excuse. Here, just close your eyes. She guided the pads of her fingertips, gently stroking Ascadelia's cheek and brushing them over long lashes as she let Ascadelia relax into her touch. Now or never. Now. Deejee had once sat with Wyatt Kane, and they talked about courage and how it came from the most unlikely of places. You had to save the world or else you died, but Deejee didn't have to push forward and act on her feelings. But she did. Somehow, that felt braver to her than she had while dangling off a tower, and the whole world was in the balance. Her lips brushed Ascadelia's, and what happened shocked her. There was a burst of warmth, a sudden increase of shivers, and a tingling sprinted down Deejee's back. And it felt... well. It felt just like it did when Deejee took Ascadelia by the hand. She felt safe and she felt protected. And when she opened her eyes just the slightest bit, she could see the faint wash of a pale glow about them. They were protected and encased by their own magic. Deejee cupped Ascadelia's cheek a little harder and let her other hand fall to the tank top, fingers brushing the material and finding skin beneath it, letting out the tiniest of whimpers as she pushed for more and more and experienced as Deejee might have been in kissing. She felt completely at a loss for what to do next. All the bravery she felt dried up, and she found herself falling backwards without actually plummeting anywhere, and staring at Ascadelia with widened eyes, her lips parted in confusion. Is it always like that? was Ascadelia's exhaled whisper. She seemed to be looking at Deejee with something new in her gaze. Her own hand went to Deejee's hip, and wound its way through belt loops, and tugged just the lightest bit to bring her closer, and Deejee's intentions were shared, it seemed. Now or never. No, she said in a small voice, and sounded like a girl when she said it too young to understand what she'd started, too young to know what to do next. All the times Ascadelia held on too tight and looked at her with all the hope in the world came flooding back to her, and she wondered if she just hadn't been seeing it right. As... She was interrupted by another kiss, and Deejee could swear that her head was spinning, dizzy and endless and disorienting, and she fell again, this time into the kiss, and a little more in love with the beautiful specter of her sister, and the woman she had always and never known. She ran. She let Ascadelia kiss her, and then she ran to the nearest bastion that just happened to be Cain, who was just recently left alone, if the swollen and pink impressions on his lip was any indication. 
and she begged him and told him how much she needed him, and asked if he would just drink with her. "'Anything for you, princess,' had been his quiet and grave answer, and his broad hand brushed her cheek, and she flushed, wondering if the imprint of Asgadelia's fingertips was still there, even though they couldn't be. He kept her close, and the drinks were constant, and they sat there for hours, until talk turned to looks, and looks turned to a touch, and then one turned to two, three, four, and they lost track of it all. They had staggered to her rooms at some point, and that was where Deejee started paying attention again. They tumbled, high on liquors and spirits, into each other's arms, Kane supporting her back as his fingers slid up to nudge past her bra. All Deejee felt was the draft of air against her bare back as she pushed up desperately on her toes, brushed his lips with hers, and coaxing some feeling into her equal to the feeling she'd gotten when she kissed Ascadelia. There were moments during their endless and truly pleasant kiss that she caught him moving to brush his thumb across the middle of her hair, as if parting the hemisphere before remembering there wasn't the cold steel of a zipper waiting for him. As for Deejee, she kept expecting Ascadelia's softness and found herself cold for its absence, yearning for it and searching more desperately as she pushed her fingertips over Kane's forearms to his neck to bury in the short strands of his hair and running slowly down his face like raindrops cascading to the ground. They pressed on in their tight embrace, with her chest pressed to his, in strands of clothing littering the bedroom. Deejee was beginning to understand the desperation, in its most quiet state, could undo just about anyone. She exhaled his name against his lips, but it lacked something, and when his hand cupped her breast in the fullness of his capacity to be gentle, it still wasn't as soft as she wanted. Cain, she murmured now. Cain, she exhaled, pulling away. His shirt was fully parted and hers removed. His back lay pressed against the wall, and Deejee swallowed the bitter pill of their reality. I know. Kane's gaze seemed muddled, confused. The half-drawn picture of Kane that, that Glitch had asked her for lay upon her table, smudges marking the very same drawline she was staring at. I know about you and Glitch, but you don't know about me and Az. She pressed on, determined to finally share her darkest secret with someone who wasn't the endless darkness of her lonely bedroom at night. It's not nearly the same, but I swear, Kane, I understand what you're going through so much more than you can ever imagine. She felt like that little girl again, the same one who let go of a hand, the same one who didn't know what to do when Ascadelia kissed her. We shouldn't have to be ashamed of who we love, she argued, words filled to the brim with desperation and passionate emotion. You shouldn't have to make him feel that way, and I shouldn't want to run. I wanted to run, Kane. I want... He kissed her again and quieted the litany of desperation, and she grasped hold of the lapels of his shirt and nearly hauled herself up into his arms as he wrapped his arms around her and held her up, and the desperation was palpable as she let out a high-pitched and frantic moan against his lips and kissed harder than before. I'll never let go again. She was the one who pulled away to slide to her feet, and he looked at her, and she looked back, and there was no magic in the air, and the desperation was already burning off. Stop hurting him. Stop running away. Undressed as they were, they stood and stared at each other. But it wasn't so much that they were naked without their clothes, as they were bare without their filters. He could see into her and understand it all, and she knew all his secrets as they were laid bare. He was scared. She was terrified. But there was the hint of repercussion in the distance. It's not the path that most take, Kane quietly admitted as he bent over and picked up her shirt helping her to slide back into it. 
Their agreement to not go forward seemed to have happened in a split second of a moment, and they had both understood it with no more than a look. He's a zipperhead. She's your sister. I love my wife. You're expected to marry and continue the lineage. D.G. wearily stared up at him and brushed her thumb over the tiny mark of lipstick she had left on his lower lip. It was Ascadelia's shade, not even hers. I thought you and I both understood that sometimes you take whatever road gets you home, D.G. said quietly, even if the bricks are missing and it's too familiar and off-limits. Kane exhaled heavily, but D.G. could see the wry hint of a smile beneath his lips, and she couldn't help poking at the corners of his mouth with a finger. I can see you smiling, she noted in a dead pan. Sorry, princess, he offered his apologies. I'm just wondering how long you spent justifying this with a flimsy little metaphor. Far, far too long. Are you buying it? I've heard worse speeches. And there they were, dangling on the thinnest of threads of hope that they could make it work. And as she buttoned up her shirt and looked up at him where blue met blue, and when he smiled at her, she laughed in turn, and she eased up on her tiptoes to give him one last kiss. It felt like they were sealing their fate with that, to wander down that perilous road with bricks loose and the dangers not marked. T.G. was there when Kane wrapped a steady armor on Glitch's waist and pulled him closer, much to the surprise of both Glitch and herself. Kane, he hissed, eyes wide with alarm and landing on D.G., Ixnay on the Isinke. The Rinsus pay is... Yerhe? D.G. finished politely for him. Glitch, don't worry. He and I talked. We're going to help her out, sweetheart, Kane murmured, and leaned in to press a kiss to Glitch's lips. And to his credit, there was only the mildest of flinches and the barest of flickers of hesitation in his eyes. D.G. let them be for a moment and ignored the whispered conversation they were having even if she could hear each and every word of it, and it mostly had to do with why they were kissing in front of D.G., and then there was a brief, Who were we talking about again? All the while, D.G. was taking out a folder containing a single page of paper. She returned to both of them and presented it like a peace offering, even if Glitch was never going to know why she felt vaguely guilty. She and Kane had discussed that and decided that it wasn't a burden Glitch and Ascadelia ought to bear. He took it into his hands and mouthed thank you to her, though she wasn't sure whether it was Kane's mild progress for the drawing, begrudgingly done in pin-up style, learned from the night classes at her local college. So what are we helping you out with, sweet cheeks? Glitch eagerly asked, bringing forth a burst of bemused laughter from D.G. Maybe the world was still too splintered for her to see the big picture, but she was having a good time looking at all the small planes to be found while they worked with the glue sticks and plaster to get it right again. They sat so stiffly together that it was difficult to tell whether they were about to have a conversation or whether this was merely a standstill in a war that was about to fall. Before they had arrived, D.G. took Ascadelia aside and clasped their hands together, staring up into those haunted and soft brown eyes. It's going to be okay, D.G. assured, pushing every last note of sincerity that she possessed into those words. I swear, I swear on my life this is going to be okay. And there they were. Ascadelia sat with perfectly stiff posture in one of the chairs, and D.G. perched on the arm of it, trying not to take too much pleasure from the way Ascadelia would rest a possessive hand on the small of her back. Across from them, Glitch was pacing back and forth and fiddling with the zipper in his head, and Kane was just leaning against the wall, hat hiding anything but the fact that he was awake. 
We need a plan. D.G. broke the ice with the obvious pronouncement. As Cadelia and I are on the cliff of something, and I want to jump. I'm tired of counting to threes. But, uh, you know. Your mother, Kane fielded the assumption with a ripe amusement, as though he didn't have his own relationship that could too easily fall to the public perception. As Cadelia's hand tightened on D.G.'s, ignored the part of her mind that wanted to resume their explorations beneath silk covers and in half-lit rooms, candles burning down to the wick and the hot wax. She told herself that they could resume those discoveries when this was done, and this was more important in the long run. D.G. smiled wryly. Gee, you think? she asked, scoffing lightly. So you need our help. Glitch boiled it down to the basics with a gesture at himself and then one in Kane's direction. He resumed the pacing, and Kane simply lifting the toe of his boot to press against the wall, still standing there like a statue that refused to chip and crack away under pressure. From us. The three of them turned to Glitch, and the decision seemed unanimous. They had all thought of it themselves. They just hadn't dared to speak it aloud. Who would you like to be with, kiddo? Kane asked of Deejee, sharing a look with her from across the room. It almost made her laugh when she thought of what they were actually doing, spinning a wheel and putting on a show so the whole OZ didn't think they had lost their minds. If you could call following your heart a way to lose your mind. It wasn't as if the top choice for advisor in police matters could go out kissing a zipper head, and the princesses weren't meant to have eyes for only each other. Maybe they were insane. Maybe that was the easiest way to explain it all. And Kane somehow wanted D.G. to choose? As? D.G. offered quietly. As Cadelia was the one who had to make her choice, and her eyes fell across the room and landed on Kane, and nodded the once. Well then, Glitch, I'm yours, she announced with a bright grin. Later, as Cadelia would whisper into Deejee's ear in the midst of kisses and touches, that she felt safest around Kane, because in the event someone still wanted her dead, he could stop them, whether he loved her or not. Right there and then, they had their lies set out for them, and a queendom wouldn't be any more the wiser that their monarchy had their secrets hidden in shadows. Time to jump, huh? Glitch said, crossing the room to press a caring kiss to Deejee's forehead, taking her hands in his own, and looking more like Ambrose than he had in a very long time. Take care not to hurt yourself when you land, he warned quietly, and I'll do the same. He pressed a loving kiss to Asgadelia's cheek before he crossed the room and lifted Kane's hat from off his head. Deejee didn't speak, worried to disturb the equilibrium of the moment that seemed to take so much courage to build up to. Well, Tin Man, Glitch announced, cheer and vim, hat in his hands, and Gigi could swear there was the slightest of smile on Kane's lips. You ready to lie your handsome ass off for me? Not the way I would have liked it, Kane admitted heavily. But, Glitch prodded lightly, Kane kissed him in reply, and Gigi looked down at Ascadelia and offered the glimmer of a hopeful smile. If this were insanity then maybe it wasn't so very bad. The warnings changed as annuals passed. Don't look back, princess, whispered Glitch as he escorted her down an aisle to her future, where robes and thrones and futures awaited, where Ascadelia sat sitting and waiting for her. Don't blink, warned Kane, who was decked in the finest of clothes, as he assisted the queen and Ahamo to their own seats, and shared a graceful bow opposite of Ascadelia as her chosen accompaniment. When she arrived to the front of the aisle and to stand opposite of Ascadelia, they clasped hands, and for a moment, all the world was them in their magic, and no one else. Deejee smiled warmly as she gazed up with love to her sister. I love you, 
was all Azcadelia had to say in their shared connection, and Gigi took a seat to the new Ozzy around them, as it sat in a new arrangement of what it once was, even though the lie still held strong, Gigi felt she could make it through unharmed. She was safe so long as she had Asgadelia, and she wasn't ever going to let go.